0: Welcome to The Alignment Show, featuring conversations with folks who have taken steps to identify their highest values and align their lives around them. Time on this earth is not unlimited, and you may be seeking to make sure you spend your time on things that matter to you. These conversations will encourage you and support you in doing so. Now, let's meet this week's guest on The Alignment Show. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. You are here on the Alignment Show once again, and I think we already had some tech issues. I'm not certain. As the intro was playing, it was kind of sounding like Max Headroom, those of you who are old enough to remember that. So I'm uh, not quite sure what that sounded like to you, but that's one of the beauties of a live show. We are coming to you live, although most of you, I realize, are probably watching the replay, so that's perfectly Okay, we've got a um, a guest today who is used to adapting. We've been talking about him for a while, and he's been having some fun with the promos that he's put up on his own social media, setting it up like this is going to be one of those uh, professional wrestling kind of things. But I can tell you this, Jason Jang is used to wrestling with the unknown. He has lived in, I think, six different countries And as I've said in setting him up, uh, I consider his superpower to be learning quickly, because every place that he's gone, he has started from scratch again. And so um, I I know him through um, association with Bob Berg, uh, Bob's uh, the Go-Giver Success Alliance group, uh, and it's been a real pleasure getting to know him the last few weeks. I said, we've got to have Jason on because he can tell us a lot about how to constantly be thinking about what's important to you, what matters, and bringing your life into alignment with that. So without further ado, let's bring Jason Jang on stage. Jason, welcome to the Alignment Show. Go.
1: Morning. I'm
0: not sure how many different languages that might have been, but there's a lot of greetings there.
1: <laughs> uh, so good to be on the show. I'm so humble and, and so thankful for you for having me.
0: Thank you. Oh, it's, it's great having you on. And I will mention for those who are with us live, uh, I am kind of watching the chat. I have a little trouble juggling everything, so uh, I'm keeping an eye on the chat. But uh, if you have a question or a comment for Jason, go ahead and put it in chat. It may take me a little bit to, to notice it, but if we can, we'll get those questions shared with Jason. Uh, I'm seeing um, uh, Bob Berg is on with us. Uh, there's a LinkedIn user who has not, Uh, I guess identified to restream so it's not telling us who you are but uh, super exciting Uh, you know even though we don't know who it is Jason we've got to share this comment here super exciting glad to be here live super fun show indeed our friend uh, Peg Duchesny is on here you know Peg okay so glad to have all these folks and somebody uh, this is probably one of your folks the bomb has just dropped Indeed, Jason teaches some classes in options trading. And I think he's got some of his students on here with us today. So very good. So, Jason, we've only got a half hour here and there's a whole lot of background here. There's so much I feel like that we can learn from you. Um, but we're always interested in origin stories, as we're, we're talking about on The Alignment Show. We're, we're looking at what people um, faced... You know, we've seen a lot of increase in this in the last couple of years with the pandemic, this thing that's called the Great Resignation. We think of it as the Great Realignment, as people realize life is short. They don't want to spend their life doing things that they don't care about. And you strike me as somebody who all of your life has just grabbed life by the throat. So just a little bit of background. I know you grew up in Singapore. What I because I don't know much about Singapore, except to know that it's sort of an economic powerhouse in a way. And I don't know if your family, you know, maybe your family's been in Singapore for generations. Maybe they came from somewhere else. I know you left Singapore and went somewhere else. So tell me a little bit about how that moving around thing might have shaped your approach to life.
1: Wow, this is a really good question. And uh, really, I like to I like to say that I allow life to just flow through me. And I kind of like I flow with life. I don't tell life what to do. I I enjoy and really just just enjoy every mystery and every surprise life throws at me. And when life throws me something, I say yes. And therefore, I've said yes to many countries and many opportunities. And uh, it's brought me to many amazing countries like China, Japan, Turkey, Australia, all these places. And yeah, I, I, I guess that's that changed me quite a bit from the inside, actually. Mm. And In a way, I think the, the biggest change is, um, I would say I don't hold on to a, a certain fixed identity anymore. I, I don't have like, I don't fix myself like in a certain way, like this is who I am. I Only speak this language, I only eat this kind of food, I only do this. No, wherever I go to, I live with the, the local folks, I eat the, the local food, I understand, I try to understand local culture, I see the beauty and everything, and I, I kind of just absorb everything. I absorb everything, I speak their language, and you know, and then we flow from there, and life just surprises me again and again and again. Like right right now, I, I don't expect to be on this podcast. In fact, wow, just just a few, couple of years ago, I don't expect to be in America. Mm-hmm. I don't expect to know amazing people like yourself, like Bob Burke. Uh, or oh, we have Pat here as well, Yumi here, oh Dr. Michelle. So nice to see you on as well. Yeah. So, and,
0: and so, what led you to be like this? Do you think like have you always been like this, or did this come from your parents? How old were you when you made that first move?
1: Wow, this is a really interesting question because when I was young, growing up on the little sunny island of Singapore, one third the size of Jeju Island, you know like Jeju Island is is an island in Korea. It's kind of small, but Singapore is one-third that size. Okay. Mm. So it's very small. It's very small, but it's a very cozy and very comfortable place to live in. But ever since young, I felt like, you know, like it's too small. Like I have a heart too big for a land so small. <laughs> so since young, I wanted to I want to be out there. I wanted to see the world. I wanna I, I wanna stop looking at snow only on a TV screen. Yeah, back then there wasn't internet, yeah. That was how old I, I, I am. But so ever since I'm like in my early teens, I've wanted to one day like I want to walk out walk out of here. I wanna see the world, I'll be any, everywhere. And so therefore when I came of age, about eight, 19 years old, I joined the navy actually. I joined the Navy to see the world. So that was the tagline, join the Navy, see the world. I said, like, mm, I'm in, you know? So that led to seven years around in many, many interesting countries as well. Uh, a lot of heartbreaks as well, of course, is military. And, uh, after that I got invited out. Uh, I, I started my, my business in investments and, uh, did pretty well, and I got in, invited to China to do uh programs and become consultants to the government. And One thing led to another, one thing led to another, and just never kind of never turned back. And really, since then, um, if you include my navy time, i pretty much deployed overseas most of the time. I'm probably I, I pretty much left Singapore probably about 30 years so far.
0: Mm. Okay. Okay. I think uh, the LinkedIn user, by the way, I believe is our friend uh, uh, Yermi uh, from uh, again from Bob Berg's group, able to observe and absorb the surroundings in a positive manner. Secret to swift adaptation, absolutely. <laughs> and and so a lot of people will think about doing something like that. Uh, and I guess, uh, of course, a lot of people do join the military, and that provides the bridge. So, uh, gosh, there's just so many questions that, that I could ask. You came to this country uh, less than a year ago, I think, right?
1: Yep, eight months ago.
0: Eight months ago. Uh, and, and folks, I have said to Jason, I mean this sincerely, he has accomplished more in eight months than what I have in 30 years. <laughs> Okay. 30 professional years. I've been at it longer than that. Um, but I think it illustrates one of the reasons I wanted to have him on this program because the meta skill there is something that's repeatable. You know, wherever you go, Jason, you're starting in a new culture. You're starting in a new, um, monetary system, you know, um, what would you say is the first thing that you have to do when well, you go to a new place?
1: Whenever I go to a new place, the first thing really I do is I, I go to a new place. My old me, I, 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 check out, I check out at the custom. My old me, however, however much I've done, whatever I achieved, it stops at the custom. You know, I, I do a lot of martial arts, and that's exactly what my martial arts instructor in, in jiu-jitsu specifically, he told me. When you come to class, leave your ego at the door. Everything you are, leave at the door and you come in clean. And I, I guess that's exactly what I do. Whenever I move to a new country, I emigrate five times in my life. Every time I go to a new country, I check out everything I was at the custom. I come in clean from zero. And I, I adopt the attitude that I'm a zero, that I, I keep saying that I'm a nobody. I keep saying because I'm a nobody in this land. Nobody knows me. If I If I hold on, to oh you know i used to be on tv i used to be this that that it does nothing it does nothing in this new country and honestly people look at you like oh so why are you here you know <laughs> so i found that the first thing i always have to do is really just check myself out start from zero bring nothing bring nothing but myself and realize that in the end of the day our greatest asset is ourselves who you are who you are is the greatest asset. You can bring this anywhere, and you can make it if you have a strong enough you are.
0: Okay, okay. Now, I know you and I have talked, especially in the last couple of days, about uh, the format of this show is perfect for you because it is <laughs> it is unscripted. You like to do yeah. things unscripted. When When you go to a new place, have you done – Ahead of time, like some learning about the language. Obviously, you have to do some preparation to get things like visas, and, and uh, so you, so you just show up and start.
1: Yes, interestingly, you know, I, I think this is what this is why a lot of people don't move out of their comfort zone. They try to prepare. They try to prepare too much. I I gotta be honest with you. I learned every single language, every single language in the new country when I get there. And honestly, whenever I get to that country, I fully expect to survive just using English. But it never turned out to be the case. <laughs> so I actually ended up having to learn the language. Yeah. So the thing is, um, uh, I I I I try to do everything with as little preparation as possible. I, I think this is very contrary to a lot of people's belief that you have to be well prepared for everything. You know, I do I do speeches all around Asia, and. All I prepare for my speeches is really just, what am I going to talk about? Brief outline, three or four outlines, that's it. I prepare nothing else. I don't want to prepare. I realize, I find that being too prepared, number one, it gives you analysis paralysis. You start to see more problems than solutions, and, and that stops you from taking moving on in the first place. And second, being too prepared narrows you down to certain scenarios, and we all know life can throw you more scenarios than you can anticipate and prepare for. And therefore, you're always caught by surprise. And, and, and like, like a deer in the like you go like, oh, sh-. And then inevitably, you got. like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, guess, I guess recklessness, recklessness is probably my biggest asset. Yeah. And of course, behind that recklessness is that I am. Is that self-confidence that I know I can handle anything life throws at me? I have created an I am that I'm fully confident about. That I can just put out there. This this is my greatest asset, not some, not some product, not some program, not some uh, online course, or no, this is my greatest product. Of course, these days I like to say
0: I'm my wife's greatest product. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, and that supportive relationship is very important in the, this whole thing. So, uh, and I see people who are commenting going right along with it. Uh, you see Pegs. I've got her quote on the screen here: uh, "To do things without preparation, you need to be prepared in a much bigger way," which is uh, what what you're talking about <laughs> there. And we had mentioned, or I had showed Bob's comment a little bit earlier. Uh, in, and we in the U.S. fortunate to have you with us. Hope you never leave. You oh. probably will at some point, just because that's <laughs> that's what you do. Um, i hot warming. heartwarming. Thank you very much. Uh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And since you know, I'm I am the confidence cultivator, and I always talk with people about developing genuine confidence, not fake confidence. Uh, it it goes right along with what we talk about—the idea that you are sufficient within yourself. You can adapt to whatever happens. And you're a living example of that sort of thing. Uh, By the way, for folks who don't already know you, let's mention in the eight months that you have been here, uh, you have already set up a professional speakers profile with eSpeakers.com. You have become a John Maxwell certified coach. Uh, You are continuing to train people as far as options trading, and um, I'm, I'm wondering with the options trading stuff, you know, people will do all kinds of research on on uh, companies. I don't know much about it. OK, but I know just enough about it to know people can really drive themselves nuts trying to to predict what the market's going to do and that sort of thing. Uh, you've been fairly successful with that options trading thing, especially with you, with your clients. Um, I will admit a there's a side question here. In this country, we don't view China. China is an economic powerhouse, but they've got a very different system. It's not the capitalistic system that we have here. So the side question is, as you're working with folks like that, do they have resistance, trouble with the idea of the market to begin with? Um, Mm -hmm. And how do you deal with that?
1: Well, you know, that that brings us back to those uh, five years working at the highest level in China. Um, I'm probably the only foreigner who has ever worked in the Chi- Chinese central government, Chong Nanhai. But that, that was before the presidency, when everything was a lot more accommodating, right? Ah. And after President Xi became president, I, I left because, you know, he starts to clean up the culture and everything got a lot more restrictive. But I would say... The way of doing business in China is like it's a completely different world. It's nothing that we have read about in books. It's nothing that we that we understand. It's it's a very power centric kind of a culture, where power is bigger than money. In fact, when I was in China, I realized what being rich really meant. Like in most parts of the world, being rich means having a lot of money, but I realized that in China, being rich means you don't need money. Uh-huh. When you don't need money, you're truly rich. You need a house? Boom! Someone gives you a house. You need a car? Boom! Someone gives you whatever car you want, even a Lamborghini. You go anywhere to eat? You don't. You never spend money. Nobody will take your money. You know. You just eat. Yeah. And that's, mm-hmm. the level, that, that's, the, that's the level that Chinese people define success: power more than money. Yeah. So it's a very different culture. Uh, and the culture is different at different levels as well. You have the very base level, where entry level, where most foreigners come in and try to play the game in a way that most people understand the cap- cap- capitalistic way. You know, you have contracts, you do a certain business, you go into agreement, you know, create value in the marketplace kind of thing. And then as you go up the level, the game changes changes significantly. It becomes a power and relationship game where. Um, it doesn't matter, you know, your product does, doesn't really matter. Your what value you add to the marketplace don't really matter. It's all about what value you add to certain people. What value you add to certain groups of people. I guess in a certain way this exists in every country. Mm-hmm. Like in this country they call it lobbying, yeah. yeah. But yeah, but it's kind of legal and I don't know too much, of course. I can't. I can't comment on that. Never be, ne, ne, I don't know any lobbyists. But in China, it's um, it's a, it's a very dark game.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. So, when, where were you just before you came here?
1: Oh, just before I came to to America. Yes. When people ask me where I'm from, I like to say I'm from Turkey.
0: <laughs>
1: okay, so that was the last place. <laughs> yes, that was the last place I lived before. Okay, China, okay. How America. long were you in Turkey? Uh, two years.
0: Two years. Okay. Yeah. So so long enough to to get a sense of the culture, a sense of how uh um, speak the language. Yeah, yeah. Well, and <laughs> you've got a unique perspective as you look at this country. And I realize mm-hmm. you're still figuring it out. Um uh, you know, I've been here all my life, I'm still figuring it out. Uh but you're in that unique place to be able to offer some, some observations of contrast and that kind of thing. One way to ask it is what brought you here? You know, why because you could you could go anywhere in the world. You have those abilities. Uh why not Italy? You know, why why here?
1: That's a really good question. And my my answer's gonna disappoint you so much because it's so mundane. The reason is my wife got a job here and ah. it's very well paying.
0: <laughs> okay. Excellent. I mean, that's that's a very reasonable reason. So yeah,
1: <laughs> like so, I said, you know, just two plus years ago, and I, 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 America wasn't on my radar like at all. All my entire reputation, my entire life is built around Asia. So um, America wasn't on my radar until one day my my wife like she said she can make like three to ten times her. Her, her what you used to in America is that, like, whoa, that's great for her, yeah. And she decided to move here, so well, okay, let's go. That's that Okay. okay. that's the reason.
0: Well <laughs> and, and there's an old saying that we have uh, bloom where you are planted, you know, so it, it still goes along with with your basic approach to life, you know, wherever exactly. the opportunity is. You
1: know. I, I and the thing is I do not plan for it. I just flow with life. I never plan to be here and I float into life. I never plan to be in Turkey. I float into Turkey. I never planned mm-hmm. to be in, in Turkey. The, the reason why I went to Turkey was because of the pandemic and everywhere was locked down and, and was, it, it's starting to look depressed. So they're starting to look depressing and dangerous. So I went online, I searched countries without lockdown and turns out Mexico and Turkey. And I went to Turkey. That's the only reason. <laughs>
0: okay. Okay. Well, and that, how, well, the contrast here, um, plenty of people that I know, and I've been there myself. We'll say, okay, these are the circumstances and I'm stuck. There's nothing I can do about it. You looked at the circumstances and said, I can move to Turkey. Okay. Um, here's another backstory, folks. Uh, one of the things Jason said in one of our meetings that really struck me he has never had a job. What the, now, that doesn't mean he's unemployed. <laughs> okay. It means that he's always been self sufficient. So you've probably started a business of some sort when you were 14 years old or, or something like that. Yeah. So I, I I keep coming back to this. You know, what what is it? It's in your DNA. It's something that your mother taught you. It's, uh, you know, where did it come from that even from an early age, you said, I'm not going to work for somebody else. I will take the chance. I will take the risk and be in business for myself.
1: You know interestingly, business never felt like a risk to me interestingly, in my reality, and it still is since young still is i I thought getting a job was risky. I thought handling over control to other people was risky because all my life we weren't i didn't come from a rich family but my my my, my mom and dad has always ran their own small businesses from seafood restaurants to Asian kungi restaurants to even cement factory you know they do very small businesses not we, we don't get rich in those businesses but it keeps the family fed and comfortable and since young I've always seen my parents when they needed to to make ends meet they will go out there and they will create some kind of value in the marketplace and to me it shaped this idea in my head that the world is kind of like a plasticine. You know, when I was young, I used to play with plasticine. You can pretty much make anything out of plasticine. The world felt like that to me, that I could just go out there, do something for the world and get whatever I need. I never have to hand over control to someone else. I felt, I, 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 felt, I still feel that it's extremely risky. I've never had a job in my life, not even a part-time job, not even when life hit me really hard. And it did when I was about 15, When I was 15 years old, about 15 years old. My my dad suddenly died to passed away on heart attack one Sunday morning, uh when we were preparing for you know to have a feast at home and you know he just stood up and collapsed and he was really young then, oh. you know most kids in my situation they will you know either quit school back in those days yeah those in the eighties, uh eighties and nineties so they either quit school or you know start to work part time and all that stuff, but to me I. I occurred that I needed to, you know, help out or uh, my family in terms of finances. And but the way the thing that struck me immediately was I need to go out and create some kind of value for the marketplace. I need to for, set up some kind of business. But of course, I was too young to actually set up a business. So what I did was I went out. And I started to give tuition classes to elementary school students. Okay, I was in middle school. So I was teaching elementary school students. And one of I taught one or two and it was good. And they started to refer other people. And I couldn't handle so many people. I started to match my friends with them for a little cut. And I realized, hey, I got a business model right here. So I drew up on A4P paper. You know, I called myself Epitome Tuition Agency. I came up with <laughs> a name, not registered, and and you know, uh, 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 contact information and all and I photocopied hundreds of copies and it went out to to elementary schools I stood in front of the gate and I started to give to all these parents and I started to build a business from there right there and within two or three years I made the first mobile phone in my whole family yeah not even my parents had mobile phones back then you know (laughs) it was like this this big back then Yeah, mobile phones are this big back then this big
0: (laughs) wow yeah yeah uh, that's that's just that's amazing. Um, I know you've done well with the options trading, and I do want to to share here. Um, let me see, get it pulled up here. Uh, if you have an interest in learning just about the options stuff that Jason does, uh, I'm putting it on the screen. And for those of you who are listening audio only, the website is optiontradingpedia.com. And you'll be able to pick that up from our show notes also. Be sure that you mark confidencecultivators.com, especially those of you listening on audio, because you can get these show notes. But I think what you're doing, uh, you're still doing the options trading thing, and you're still training people in that and teaching about that. But uh, I'm, I'm fairly sure that you are expanding and starting to teach people about how to have these attitudes or this approach to life, so that you're impacting people in that that little different way. Um, let me go ahead and put out there. He's still developing it, folks, uh, but you need to go and look at jjdynamite.com. Now, those of us of a certain age <laughs> remember the TV show that involved JJ Dynamite, you know. And so this is a to avoid trademark and all that sort of thing. He spells it a little differently, but on the other hand dynamite as an explosive i mean it certainly fits jason yeah boom and um so he is developing these ideas that goes goes beyond options trading and that sort of thing so tell us a little bit about where you're going with that jason
1: Uh thank you don for uh mentioning this well it occurs to me like when when you get really good at anything in the end you start to realize that's a matter game so what uh, When you're a specialist in any area, I I believe in the end of the day, you come to the same conclusion about success and that the same principle applies in whatever you're doing and as well as other areas in life. So for me, it really started as a a question because I've been teaching about options trading for about 20 years and I still see that teaching the same strategy, the same method, only about 5% 5 of people ever make it even following my method and I ask myself why? Then my realization is this there's no such thing as a 5% winning method. In the end of the day, there's only the 5% winning kind of people. And it's the same any, in anywhere in basketball, in F1 racing, and anything you do. Only 5% of the people are successful at anything. Not just it's not about options trading, it's about a certain attitude and mindset. Okay. And so specifically in the area of, of investments, like I realized that um the mindset. One, the core mindset is what I call the GI mindset, the gambler versus investor mindset. Now, the problem with this is this everybody thinks they know what's a gambler and what's an investor, but they don't. And therefore, there's plenty, I, I would say 80% of people who are actually gamblers, gamblers thinking they're investors and therefore continue to do all the wrong things, get all the wrong results in life. And I always start out with a simple question. What do you think is the difference between a gambler and an investor? I asked my my late you know my best friend. My lately, i, have a, I found a best friend called ChatGPT, <laughs> and so I asked ChatGPT, "What's the difference between a gambler and an investor?" And he gave me that, that typical answer. You know, gamblers take great uh, um, what unc- uncalculated risks, and investors do their research, do the due diligence, draw lines on the screen, you know, things like that. Calculated risk educated risk and things like that. But no, I realized that in the end of the day, there's only one difference. And that is a gambler is anyone who depends on an external factor, in this case, a stock or your spouse or even traffic light, doing one thing for you to win. If you depend on an external factor to do one thing for you to win, no matter how many lines you draw on the screen, no matter what crystal ball you're looking in, you are a gambler. And that is the problem right there. Most people who are Gamblers, they think they're investors just because they draw enough screens, lines on the screen, just because they watch certain news, they follow certain analysts or whatever. No, still a gambler because you're depending on an external factor that you cannot control to do one thing for you to win. But investors win regardlessly because we control the one thing we can control, which is ourselves. Where's our li- where's our risk limits? Where are, where are our insurance? How do we think about protection? Simple, and this simple. Um. Uh, principle goes all the way deep into life for example crossing the street a gambler will, will see the street the, the light come green and immediately start to cross the street he depends on the cars to stop on their own for him to make it to the other end but an investor mindset guy a G mindset a I mindset guy sees the light wait and make sure the cars actually stop before he cross he takes that responsibility upon himself for his safety across the street just like that this mindset applies across everything we do in life in our relationships and and so therefore nobody who kind of like makes a mess of their life because of the g mindset can claim to be a successful can claim to be a success in the stock market and therefore whoever is a mess in the stock market also cannot claim to be a, a, a success in life that that, that thing just that, that mindset just doesn't change miraculously you know, in and inside or outside of the market,
0: it's a, it's fascinating to me. The um, I guess I'd say the juxtaposition between the need for control to be in control and yet to also be open to whatever happens in this moment, because I, I think you're right. A lot of people would think that it's the preparation that makes you an investor. But it's the mindset. And it's, uh, again, it's fascinating that the stock market is is almost the model for what you're teaching about life skills. Yes.
1: I like to, I like to say that when you get good enough in the stock market, you achieve enlightenment.
0: Because that makes a lot of sense.
1: It's a process of self discovery, it's very deep self discovery.
0: Makes a lot of sense. I just glanced at the clock and we are running out of time here. want to be sure if people want to learn more that they have a good way of getting in touch with you. I'm putting up here on the screen, Jason's LinkedIn profile. And uh, those of you who are listening, audio only, uh, you can just go to LinkedIn and look for Jason Jang. That's J-A-S-O-N-J-A-N-G. And I don't think there's... There's not too many other Jason Jangs that are on LinkedIn, as big as it is. But if you look for J.J. Dynamite, you're going to find him. And he's the one who has a square portrait. You know, Jason, sometime I've got to find out how you do that just from a, just from a techie standpoint, okay? Now, those of you who are watching uh, on screen, we put a QR code there to make it easy for you to just scan. So I've got that up on the screen now. Uh, this will take you to LinkedIn. Now, we've already said Jason's got a couple of websites, but I can tell you he's going to be continuing to develop stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if a year from now there are a dozen websites that Jason has. So LinkedIn is going to be the best way to keep track of him. Uh, and as I, I think this is Yermi that's commenting here, he said, where did the time fly by? <laughs> Indeed. In fact, we're gonna to have to come back later, I think, JJ, with a follow-up show. Uh, Bob Berg was on with us um two, three weeks ago. We we're already planning a follow-up show with him. So that is certainly not unprecedented. We will do that. But uh for now, uh let me see. I need to check something real quick. Here we are again with things on the fly. Uh folks, remember that you can always get information about upcoming episodes by going to confidencecultivators.com and who I'm, I'm, I'm missing who's going to be on next week. So folks, I'm going to just have to tell you, Jason, I'm going to put you in the green room for just a second and we'll come back and say goodbye, but let's talk about what's coming up next. Thank you very much, Jason, for being here with us today. I, lo- I love the time. I love the inside. I love learning more from you. And as uh, as we look, and folks, I'm still going to take a look at my calendar here and verify. We are scheduled, by the way, out through the 1st of June. We have a lot of fantastic guests who will be coming up. And so uh, next week, come on, calendar, go ahead and load. Yes, verifying that Michael O'Brien will be with us next week. Michael has a fascinating backstory. He was a successful Marketer, He had that typical marketing mindset. Uh, he was also still is an avid bicyclist, but one day he was hit head on on his bicycle by an SUV. Life challenging situation, and it's changed the way that he looks at life and the world. He now works with uh, companies and organizations to help them to bring mindfulness into their practices and so um, that's going to be a fascinating conversation as well. Be sure and tune in next week for that. 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the channel that you're watching right now, or you can pick it up audio, um, any of these episodes, audio on uh, Apple uh, Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We will soon be on other audio channels. But in any case, we appreciate you spending your time with us here. We hope that as we talk about living your values and valuing your life, that it will indeed help you in assessing your own alignment right here on The Alignment Show. That's it for this week's episode of The Alignment Show. What has it inspired you to do in your own life? Whatever it is, take action now and take the first step. It will help you to talk with a friend about what you're thinking. Share ConfidenceCultivators.com to spread the goodness. And remember to live your values and value your life. We will see you next week on The Alignment Show.